you have found yet another episode of Front Porch Anarchast. Coming to you from the Gray Homestead Studios here in southwest Missouri, Front Porch Anarchast is my attempt at spreading the ideas of freedom and liberty to those who may be looking for both or either. For those who may be straddling a fence somewhere between authoritarianism and true freedom. Front Porch Anarchast. Freedom starts on your own front porch. Tonight I'd like to talk about authoritarians. I'm hoping to weave a tale around that particular topic tonight. I also have an update from the last episode, which, if you remember, was about a um, voluntarist community project called Voluntucky. But first, I'd like to mention my t-shirt and vinyl decal side gig. If you need a shirt, a t-shirt or two, we might be able to uh, work something out with you. If you want a decal or two, like for your car or for your laptop, I don't know, school locker, stainless steel mug, probably would even work on a porcelain mug. We can help with that as well. What we won't do is break copyright laws. It's not because we agree with those, it's uh, because we don't want the headache of a lawsuit. This is a case, too, where no order is too small. I mean, decals are small. I can cut them um, literally just a word or two sometimes and uh, just weed it out, fix it up, put it in a envelope and mail it to you. And um, literally no order is too small. And we generally don't charge a setup fee. If you'd like to see what we have to offer, just go on over to the Gray Uncommons on Facebook page. Real easy to find. If you're on Facebook, just look for Gray with an A, Uncommons. You could probably just Google it or whatever your favorite search engine is and find it. If you want a $15 t-shirt, send us a message either there at Gray Uncommons or you can, uh, you can email me at frontporchanarchast at gmail.com yeah we can do uh, we can do custom shirts we can uh, you can look at some of the uh, stuff I've got like the not a cop t-shirts and yeah with shipping and everything we can do one for $15 some restrictions apply on that but basically if you want a one color t-shirt with um, with vinyl not not screen printed then that's the way to go if you have a large order, we may we may go the screen printing route on it. Anyway, check that out. Also, while you're uh, while you're looking at our Gray Uncommons page, make sure to sign up for the T-shirt giveaway that we're doing there. There's another week or so left on that. Speaking of my email address, Front Porch Anarchast, and that's with um, the cast is with the C H, so it's Front porch a-n-a-r-c-h-a-s-t at gmail.com you can email me or message me about anything and you can use that email address or you can contact me through the facebook page i have a mewe page from porch anarchast easy enough to find um, and just 
anything at all you'd like to talk about. It'd be nice to hear something positive for a change because the only email I get is hate mail. Evidently, the uh, evidently anarchists are uh, are exempt from the uh, from the hate crime laws. Just joking there. I don't believe in hate crimes. Anyway, email or message me there, or you can leave a voice message if you go to our page at Anchor FM, which is anchor.fm slash frontporchanarchast. There's a button right there. You can just leave me a voicemail. If you let me know who you are, how I can contact you, I'll even get back with you and uh, maybe use your audio in an upcoming episode. So, if you have something you want to get off your chest or a question you'd like to ask, that's a perfect way to do it. It's really just one button that you push there. Alright, on with the show. If you listened to the last episode of Front Porch Anarchist, where I talked about a project to create a voluntarist community in Kentucky, you undoubtedly heard me express my concerns about that attempt. Now, I do commend Matt and his attempt at creating a voluntarist community, but I'm concerned that it's just another form of the state, although it's, uh, it does have a greater illusion of choice. All members of the community would have to sign a charter that Matt created. People don't have to become members, but once it gets a certain number of people to sign his charter, everybody, members and non-members alike, would be subject to some of the terms of his charter. That's like the most glaring possible problem that I have with it. it doesn't sound too voluntarist if I'm going to be subjected to the terms of his charter even if I don't sign his charter. And in the previous episode, I also outlined a few more of the problems that I've found with it, including he wants to put a person's livelihood in the land, in the lands, in the hands of 12 random people. Because they're all going to be using uh, Matt's cryptocurrency and and if you uh, want to continue to use Matt's cryptocurrency, you're going to be subject to these juries that are created of random people who are members that have signed his charter. There were points. It was it was kind of complicated. I mean, I know he says it was easy, but I'm just now I'm just now reading this, and I don't know. It was a couple of paragraphs long, but there seems to be a lot of holes in it. And um, I just. I expressed those concerns, those holes that I that I found in it, but but we can all relax because Matt says that my fears are unfounded. He got back with me and responded to a few of my comments, and um, and he tells me that he knows for a fact that his charter is bulletproof, and. He went on to say that he knows this, and I'm just, I'm paraphrasing him, I I'm, I'm, don't think I'm quoting him here at all, but but uh, he knows for a fact that his charter is bulletproof because he's read it a lot and thought about it a lot. There's just no way that he could be wrong about this. He knows how exactly how people are going to behave. They'll all behave as he predicts, so everything will go exactly according to his plan. Okay, you know, strangely... I've noticed this type of behavior in other people who identify as voluntarists. 
it seems that quite a few people in the voluntarist movement seem to know exactly what people need, and they know exactly how people are going to behave post-authoritarian society. Authoritarian? Yeah, whatever. Whatever you want to call the society that we live in now. They seem to know exactly how people are going to behave once, uh, once this system is gone. You know who else I see claiming that they know what people need and exactly how to give them that? I see that behavior in politicians. Which, after, and, and don't think I'm picking on Matt at all, because I'm not. I've, I've had some conversations with other so-called voluntarists, and it's quite alarming there, too. They pretty much sound like, again, Matt, I'm not calling you out on this, but the other people I've talked to sound pretty much like dictators. It's going to be their way or the highway. Are voluntarists turning into the new authoritarians? I'm just wondering. Maybe I'm not a voluntarist at all, because I sure don't, I sure don't believe that. I don't, I, I actually believe in voluntary relationships between people. You know, if you have a contract with somebody and you're going to stick with it, I guess that's fine. But when we start dragging in a third party into our two-party contract, yeah, there's a problem there. That's no longer voluntarism. Again, I do commend Matt for his passion and his dedication to attempting to bring about this voluntarist community. But I just don't see the point in vacating the state only to reinstate a state. I just, I don't trust people enough for them to decide my fate. Other than that, Matt and I do share a lot of the same opinions, as I have listened to some of his podcasts. It's just I can't get past his project feeling like the resurrection of some sort of state. In the future, I'll be checking in on the Voluntucky project. I really do wish them the best of luck. So, moving on. past that little update there. I've pretty much refrained from doing headlines, like news headlines, so far. But two in the um, in the not so distant past have popped up, and I, I just can't resist those. So, as a disclaimer, as I have alluded to before, um, I've had some social media interactions with some of the people involved in the Linda Collins Smith murder. So that's um, yeah, that's a no-brainer. I want to talk about that. And there was a there was an update in that recently, and. I work in a in a town called Springfield, and it's in Missouri. And uh, there's another incident that popped up there that you've more than likely heard about. So, um, yeah, I just couldn't pass these two up. They're kind of near and dear to me. And for the uh, purposes of this podcast, they both have the stench of authoritarianism on them. So, yeah, couldn't leave it out of this. So, Linda Collins-Smith murder update. If you don't know, Linda Collins-Smith was a um, politician down in Arkansas. I'm not really sure she was a Senate. She worked a state politician, and she was like in the state Senate, and she was a state representative. So, um, she worked both sides of the legislative process down there, and she started out as a Democrat, I think that's how she was elected, and then she switched over to the Republican Party. From my interactions with her, she was an all-out authoritarian. And what day was it? I think it was on July 30th, maybe. The uh, the person accused of murdering her 
the accused name is Rebecca O'Donnell. She was finally arraigned, and at that point they released some of the details. They hadn't released many details up until this point, the reason being that they were trying to, um, they said it would, um, it would hurt their case, the state's case, if they released these details, so they didn't do it, which made me, which made me to believe, led me to believe that they had some, some reason to believe that maybe other people were involved in this, or at least in parts of it. So she was arraigned, and according to Northeast Arkansas TV station KAIT, which is, well, I don't know what it's called now. It used to be Channel 8, and then it was called Region 8. I know this because I grew up in that area, and that's what I, for much of my life, that was the only TV station that I could watch because, you know, pre-internet. So according to that TV station, KAIT, O'Donnell's boyfriend had this to say after O'Donnell's arraignment. I'm going to quote them here. Tim Loggins, fiancé of Rebecca O'Donnell, released a statement Tuesday night saying, quote, So many people believe in Becky and are praying about this situation. The outpouring of love and support for Becky and Linda from the community has been overwhelming. I've been deeply touched by constantly reaching out to express their belief in Becky's innocence. This situation and the way this case is being handled is much bigger than us, so we are turning it over to God. And that's the end of the quote there. Well, previously, Loggins had stated that O'Donnell was innocent or that she was the best actress ever. And he said this like on national TV, like an interview for ABC. How many more times can I say like there? My recollection is that Loggins was in law enforcement at one time. Again, I've had I had a couple of Facebook interactions with him and I've read a lot of posts that he made in groups. I was never a Facebook friend of his, but uh, we were in the same, in at least one group together. And I think that's where I get the idea that he was in law enforcement. I have to wonder if finding out that his girlfriend was recorded removing the security cameras from the murdered woman's home had anything to do with him turning this over to God. They actually said that during the uh, arraignment, evidently, is that you know, part of the evidence against her was that they had her own videotape removing the security cameras. I guess they were still recording while she was moving them. And then it appears that uh, O'Donnell decided to move the body from inside the home, wrap it in a blanket, and then cover it with a tarp. So now, has she been watching too much CSI? Was she trying to get the body out of the home so that Maybe she could mess up their uh, their method of of determining the time of death, or could it have been that that maybe she was preparing for somebody to um, to come help her move the body? There's going to be more come out about this because that's all that, as far as I know, that's all that they released at this point. And I'd love to go on about this and 
give my opinion on it, but really, what's the point right now? It'd just be pure conjecture, speculation, dramatization, whatever kind of Asian you can put on it there. So, pretty much going to drop it at this point. Uh, what I will say about it is, though, is that an authoritarian who imposed her will on others through the state was murdered. Yeah, there were some suspicious circumstances there. Many speculated that she was killed by government agents to cover up some of the information she had found. I had my doubts about that from the beginning. It seems much more likely that um, that it was just one of the usual motives, which would be jealousy or greed or just flat-out anger. If it wasn't that, if this really is a cover-up, it was really convenient that the uh, government agents found somebody so close to her who possibly had a motive to kill her who would be removing the security cameras from her home after the murder. I mean, that would just... I mean, what what are the chances that would happen? Um, the woman just happens to see that her friend's dead, so she removes the security cameras? Wow, that just tied that one up right nice and neatly for the uh, for the government agents, right? Sure, that's it. There's um, There's a couple of people... I can't call them crazy because, you know, there may be some liability on that, so I'm not going to call them crazy. I will say there are some eccentric women who have a podcast or two or three and maybe a YouTube channel. I'm not really sure. They refer to themselves as the JoJo's sometimes. I think it's because they both have Joe in their name, like, uh, like a Billy Joe or a Amy Joe or Amanda Joe or something like that. I'll, I'll have to see what they have to say about that, because they sure uh, were pretty adamant that this was all a, um, a government hit on this woman, that she knew too much, and that uh, government killed her. Is it what happened? I have no idea, but if you want to see some... Ooh, almost said that word again. If you want to see some eccentric women talking um, like eccentric women, then... Uh, Hunt those, hunt those uh, videos down, those podcasts down. Listen to those. There's, there's another guy. He's got a lot to say about it too, and uh, it's even stranger because um, his name is Billy Sessions. And you do a Google search for that, you'll find, uh, you'll find him pretty quick there. And he's all over the place. He's, um, he's on the fence there about what might have happened. In one breath he says that it was a government cover-up, the next minute, the next breath he says it wasn't. Says he doesn't know, but, you know, the whole time he's he's leaning toward the uh, government cover-up. So, more on that to come as the, uh, as the trial progresses, but judging by capital cases in Arkansas, it's going to be another year before this case goes any further. So that was the first headline, 30 minutes later. The uh, the second headline, which uh, comes from this uh, Springfield, Missouri, which is close and uh, near and dear to me. Here is the, uh, you know what, um, I will read the, I'll just read the whole article starting with the headline. And then I'll comment on it. So if you would, just stick with me here. But this way, if you haven't heard about it, you'll 
you'll get an idea of what went on. If you have heard about it, this may be some different information than you've heard. So just bear with me here. Here goes. The date on this is August 10th, 2019. Former firefighter stops man armed with 100 rounds of ammunition at South Springfield Walmart. Officers booked Dmitry N. Andrechenko, 20, on suspicion of first degree making a terroristic threat. Greene County Prosecutor Dan Patterson has yet to file formal charges in the case. The Springfield Police Department arrived on scene within three minutes of the call. Police stated Andrechenko pulled up to the Walmart where he donned body armor and military fatigues. Police say the man had tactical weapons. Police then say Andrinchinko walked into the Walmart neighborhood market where he grabbed a cart and began pushing it around the store. Police say the man was recording himself walking through the store via a cell phone. The store manager at the neighborhood market pulled a fire alarm urging people to escape the store. Police say Andrinchinko then made out made his way out an emergency exit where a former firefighter held the man at gunpoint. At that moment, Springfield police arrived on scene and detained the man. The Springfield Police Department could not confirm the nature of statements said by the man to those inside of the Walmart, but they do confirm that the man had loaded weapons and over 100 rounds of ammunition. Police also observed many shoppers hiding outside the Walmart and at nearby businesses. Lieutenant Mike Lucas said it was clear the man's intent was to cause chaos, saying in part, his intent was not to cause peace or comfort. He's lucky he's still alive, to be honest. Excuse me. Let me read that quote again. His intent was not to cause peace or comfort. He's lucky he's alive still, to be honest. Now, this comes from uh, ky3.com, and you can, um, I may even link to it. How about that? Maybe link to it on the uh, Front Porch Anarchist uh, Facebook page and on the um, the webpage at Anchor FM. So, um, so now you have the story there. And what happened is a guy wore a long gun and long gun accessories into Walmart. He didn't break any laws. He didn't break any Walmart policy. He didn't point a gun at anybody. What did happen was that a statist, or at least a former statist, if he isn't a statist now, he was at one point, right? He was a firefighter. I'm assuming he worked for the city, or they would have said volunteer firefighter. The statist pulled a gun on somebody who was merely carrying a long gun in a place where there is absolutely nothing wrong with carrying a long gun. And then he held them there, presumably against his will, will? <laughs> his will, until government agents arrived. Now, as a person who believes in voluntary interactions, I'm, I'm just not okay with people having guns pointed at them for merely carrying a firearm. Long gun, handgun. If, the, uh, if carrying a gun is actually a right, if, if keeping and bearing an arm is actually a right, then it's not okay to point a gun at somebody for just exercising those rights. But, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to say, well, there's a, there's a line there, and this guy crossed it. But where would you cross that, or where would you draw that line? When is it okay to pull a gun on somebody? 
Is it okay to pull a gun on somebody prior to them victimizing someone? Or should you wait to pull a gun on somebody when they make an actual threat? Should you wait to pull a gun on somebody only after they've made a threat and they have some sort of means to carry out the threat? That one's a little tricky because... Um, so I'll give you an example there. But if somebody says that they're going to nuke you and, you know, they're just, I don't know, standing across, uh, standing across a parking lot from you and they say they're going to nuke you, should you pull out a gun and shoot them in the face? I mean, you're obviously not going to nuke them. I, not too many people have a nuclear bomb in their back pocket. Um, if they say, man, I'm going to knock your block off, you know, and they're, they're standing across the parking lot, it, you know, are, do you have the right to pull a gun on them and hold them until the cops show up? Probably not, but... But in in this case, the guy, uh, the firefighter or ex-firefighter, whatever he was, the, the one that held the other guy at gunpoint until the government showed up, uh, he's in the wrong. That's what I believe anyway, but I'm apparently in the minority. There's been a lot of clamoring here in Springfield about the whole the whole incident, and I really don't think that this uh, this ex firefighter I think they're referring to him now as Andy, but they're not giving his his last name. Uh, I don't think he's going to face any repercussions for pulling the gun on this guy who wasn't threatening anybody that I know of. I mean, I would have assumed that when the police was giving when that policeman was giving the uh, the interview there that he would have made a more uh, a less vague mention of what the guy actually said had he said something else now I've totally lost my train of thought there but um but anyway they're they're making a big deal out of this guy and his heroic actions they're using the the fact that he is that he was previously a government employee and they're using that to uh to make him look more heroic then you got the um, the concealed carry guys, the guys who uh, yeah, I've got my concealed carry permit. Uh, they're claiming that it's a victory for concealed carry because another shooting prevented by a good guy with a gun. Yeah, the, you know, if the guy was going to shoot, he had ample time to do so. He didn't do it. Then there's the sec Second Amendment butters and fuds. If you don't know what a Second Amendment butter is or a Second Amendment fud. Just uh, Google the terms, but all they can say is common sense. This guy needed some common sense, and common sense would tell you not to do this. And then, uh, then we've got even like the self-proclaimed Second Amendment guys that believe that that pulling a gun on this guy was okay. Uh, one guy told me that if that was his grocery store, he'd have just shot this guy in the face. I'm not really sure why. Since the guy wasn't pointing the gun at anybody or, you know, shooting anybody. So, not really sure about that. But I think what um, what the gun grabbers have done at this point is that they've just found a way to get even so-called hardcore gun rights people to admit that they support common sense gun regulation. I knew that most of the gun guys were authoritarians, but I had no idea that they would fall for this common sense. But I had no idea that they would fall for this common sense trap, or they would fall for this common sense crap. 
You watch, they're going to end up giving up their guns to their masters all in the name of safety. Probably the biggest group are the uh, the FUDs that, uh, that want to talk about common sense. And, uh, you know, they're the guys who think that that the only gun you need is a double barrel shotgun and and uh, maybe a 45 and that you shouldn't carry it with a one in the chamber. So maybe, oh, you know what? Scratch that. I think they're the ones that are all, uh, you know, carry a, a revolver. 38, carry a 38. That's all anybody needs, six shots in a 38. All right, I've drawn on about that one long enough too, but um, but yeah, the uh, the gun grabbers, they just found a way to uh, to get these uh, these gun guys, these uh, gun authoritarian, these authoritarians who are in the guns to uh, to roll over on the common sense. So once you get common sense coming out of their mouth a little bit, it'll be a lot easier for it to go in their ears. And and next time uh, next time the elections come around. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some common sense on the ballot. All right, enough of that. Authoritarians are everywhere, which was kind of, uh, which was what my topic was supposed to be. And I think uh, with these two articles and, and um, maybe in my update up there too, where um, you know, I've talked about some, some voluntarists who seem to be authoritarians, um, maybe through, through those items, um, I've kind of proven that authoritarians are there everywhere. I don't understand their mindset. I mean, I, I get the appeal, maybe. As an authoritarian, you get to decide what everyone else has to do, and then they do it. I can see where that might be nice for the small number of people who have that sort of power, the kind of people who want that power. But for me, I'd rather just live and let live. I don't want a ruler. I don't need a ruler. You know, there's, there's other people out there that probably feel that way, too, that they feel that they don't want a ruler and they don't need a ruler, and they think, though, that you need a ruler. The difference between me and most of those other people is that I don't think you need a ruler, either. And that's all anarchy is. No masters, no rulers. Anarchy needs no masters. All right, I'm going to wrap up this episode. If you liked it or hated it, let me know. If you know that I'm a blithering idiot, feel free to let me know that as well. The easiest way to reach me is through the Facebook page, Front Porch Anarchast. You can also email me at the aforementioned Facebook, uh, the aforementioned email address, which is frontporchanarchast at gmail.com. And if you have any questions on how to spell that, if you just Start typing in front porch and R. I'm going to pop up. I'd like to thank you all for listening. And I hope that you share this podcast with others. I hope to have another episode out next week. Until then, please keep sharing the ideas of freedom and liberty with others. Remember, freedom starts on your front porch. It doesn't end there. Share that with somebody. They need to hear it. Good night and good luck. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast of the Front Porch Anarchast. Like and share our page or send us a message at Front Porch Anarchast on Facebook.
Front Porch Chalacast.